0: As you're being seated, if you'll go ahead and open your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19 today. I want to give another shout out to the moms. I've, uh, I've been noticing that moms use different approaches. Some uh, moms are kind of the fun mom, and you like to laugh, and you're always kind of engaging in games and play with the kids, and nothing really bothers you too much if they're Jumping off the house, you're like, well, kids, let me get some leaves over here to soften your fall as you jump off the house. You're just kind of the the fun mom and everything's good. And then some moms use a different approach. They're more The coach mom, they're a little bit more goal-oriented. They have the clipboard and the whistle, and you have a lot of life talks. All right, now we've got to have some strategy, some vision. How are you going to process this? Okay, let's use this app. We'll get there, okay? And you kind of make sure that you're guiding your kids in the process. And then some are a little bit more of the conscientious approach, and you're more the, the, the mom that makes sure that all the details are always taken care of. When it's the end of the semester, the kids always give the best baked goods to the teacher there's uh, always clothes laid out the night before every cup when people come over there's always names on every single cup ahead of time and and there's always this list this list on the refrigerator of all the chores and all the activities that need to be done but you're organized and then there's kind of the hugs and kisses mom you're you're more just kind of sweet and kind and and you're going to love the kids through whatever difficulty they go through. You're just going to be there to, to love. And then I've also noticed that some moms can be all these things in the same minute. It's absolutely amazing. But at, at the end of it all, ultimately, godly loving moms basically have the, the same goal for their kids. No matter how they approach it, at the, at the end of the day, they, they want their kids to be healthy. They want them to be loved. They want their kids to grow up into responsible adults. They want these kids to know God and to love God. And they want them to leave, right? Uh, You know, those are goals that all moms have at some point. And as we think about ministry, the goal of ministry is to glorify God by meeting people at their point of need. And I've noticed that just like mothers may use different styles to reach the same goal, we also have different styles and different approaches. Frequently, the way that God wired us or gifted us, that we take into ministry, but we all have the same ultimate goal, To glorify God. In fact, the Bible says that these different styles, these different approaches are God's idea. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, Paul wrote, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Now, what Paul's getting at here is that if you look at the way that you're wired and think everybody should be just like me, then that's not good. Okay, because not everybody, everybody's not just like you and God has intentionally given people different perspectives and different gifts. He says, instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. As your pastor, I want to take some time this morning to thank our volunteers. In fact, if you would just join me in thanking our volunteers. This church could not do what it does without people like you volunteering to engage in ministry. And we bring all sorts of different gifts and perspectives to ministry. Some of you can fix things, build things. When we did the barbecue a few weeks ago, all those wood cutouts, that wood boot. You know, Janet and some others, they, they made all these different wood signs out there. And I thought, man, that is so cool. If I tried to do that, I would wind up at the ER with three fingers missing, you know? I mean, I'm just not wired that way, but they are, and they can use that for ministry. Some people in the room... You're good with kids. And when you think about VBS, you just get all giddy inside, you know? Others, uh, you're not as good with kids, but you're really good at teaching adults, and you, en- you enjoy life group ministry. Some of you are very, very caring. And when someone gets sick, it's just in your nature to be there and to walk alongside them. Others' missions energizes you. And when we talk about going cross-cultural with the gospel, you're like, I'm there. Let's go. The, the bigger the risk, the more I want to be there. Some of you, you enjoy Hospitality. And you want to help create environments where people feel comfortable and where people can grow in their faith. And so the idea of smoking 700 briskets for a Texas barbecue, that excites you. Or maybe uh, this gift of hospitality comes out in, in preparing a meal for somebody who's going through a challenging time. But when you add all this up, we are one body, one church, even though we are made up of different parts. And each of us has to be the person that God created us to be using the gifts and the experiences and the talents that God equipped us with to advance His kingdom. kingdom. And one of the things that absolutely amazes me about the church is how we can be so different and yet have one simple goal. And when it comes to ministry, here's our goal. We want to glorify God through meeting people at their point of need. Well, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus gives us an example of what ministry looks like. You say, I'd love to minister to people, but I'm not sure exactly what to do or what it looks like. Well, Jesus gives us this example in Luke chapter 19. Now, the setting is Jericho, known as the City of Palms. It was fed by some springs. It was out in the middle of nowhere, an oasis in the middle of the desert. And Jericho had become a playground for the rich and famous of Jerusalem. They would leave Jerusalem, come down the hill, and they would party in Jericho. Jesus now is walking up the hill to Jerusalem where the events of the passion story would soon unfold. And as he entered Jericho, verse 1 of chapter 19, he was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. So you'll recall that tax collectors in Jesus' day had a 0% approval rating. They were viewed as traitors because their job was to raise taxes for the Roman Empire. And the way that they themselves became wealthy was to overcharge you. So they would overcharge you, and if you didn't pay, well, let's just say they had ways of making you pay. And so Zacchaeus was not just an ordinary tax collector. The Bible says that he was a chief tax collector. And he was the chief tax collector in a city known for its parties and its debauchery. He was lavishly wealthy. But it appears that Zacchaeus, though he had great wealth, he was also somewhat boss hog like in his stature he was vertically challenged and so in verse 3 the Bible says he was trying to see Jesus but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man it stings when the Bible calls you short you know it's one thing to know that you're short but for the Bible to point it out that's always hard so running ahead he climbed he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. Now imagine the scene. You have this rich, powerful man, and he hears that Jesus is coming into into the community, and he is so excited that he is running, he's trying to see, and he can't, so he's kind of running ahead, trying to stay ahead of the crowd, and eventually he starts climbing up, this rich, powerful man starts climbing up this tree. You see, Zacchaeus had all sorts of things He was living large. He had it all, but he had little love. When it came to love, he was empty, and in his heart, he was searching. The Cigna Healthcare Company released a report on May the 1st, and in this report, it found that over half of Americans are lonely. Lonely. Now, as they began to break down the age groups, guess which? Group was the loneliest age group in America. You would think senior adults, maybe because a loved one has passed away and gone to heaven and they're now by themselves, but it was actually 18 to 22-year-olds were the loneliest in America. And so there's some interesting trends that you begin seeing sociologically that as our society moves further and further away from Christianity, now about 50% of America is considered post Christian, which means they've been exposed to Christianity and they've rejected it. So, as we begin to reject the things of God, as we begin to reject God's idea of family, God's concept of marriage, those immutable realities about who we are, such as our gender, we begin to reject biblical values, all this idea that we will live life on our own terms and be who we want to be, it seems to be leading us to become lonelier and lonelier people. And what's wild is that we live in a world where we're always connected to people. If we pause for just a moment, what do we do? Pull out our phone. And a lot of times you're you're connected to, I've got a missed call, a lot of times you're connected to who calls a preacher during church? I mean, a lot of times you're connected to like a thousand people at, at any given time. Like, oh, you're going to start calling me now. I know, what I know how this is going to work. So we're connected to all these people. Let me get back to the sermon, all right? And yet we feel empty, lonely. Now, don't let, don't let Zac- Zacchaeus' wealth and power and his image fool you. He had the look I I imagine he had the attitude if you were just to know him you would think this guy's in control but in his heart he was searching and here's the first lesson I want you to gather about ministry today and that is that ministry seeks out the Zacchaeus in the crowd. It looks for the one who feels all alone. It looks for the one who seems to be a long way from God, but in reality is searching for someone who cares. And is searching for answers to the ultimate questions of life. And a person that has a heart for ministry, the Holy Spirit will lead you to Zacchaeus after Zacchaeus after Zacchaeus because they are all around us. Just waiting for somebody to notice. And care. Well, the Bible says in verse 5 when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today I must stay at your house. Now, here's the second lesson on ministry ministry meets people where they are, not where they should be. Now, it's interesting about Zacchaeus, he thought, He thought he was seeking out Jesus, but in reality, Jesus was seeking out him. And notice, Jesus knew his name, and Jesus knew where he was. Some of you today might be praying for a son or a daughter, a grandson or granddaughter who's a long way from God, living life in darkness right now. I want you to realize that they are not hidden from God. He knows their name, and he knows where they are. And Jesus comes to Zacchaeus. He calls him by name, says, come down. And he says, by the way, I'm staying at your place tonight. Now, Zacchaeus did not say, oh, or Jesus didn't say, oh, the, the, there's the tax collector. I, I, I don't want to be seen next to him. Make sure that we don't get any pictures with me and Zacchaeus in it together. Okay, i got to stay away from this guy. No, he comes to Zacchaeus and says, come on down, Zac. Let's go get a burger. Let's talk. I want to deal with some things. I want to care for you. I want want to help you. Ministry meets people at their point of need. Well, it continues in verse 6. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. And all who saw it began to complain. So the people watching this go, hmm, isn't this special? (laughs) Jesus talking to a tax collector. In fact, here's what they said. He's gone to lodge... With a sinful man. (gasps) Here's the third aspect of ministry ministry will always have its critics. If you start caring for people, if you start doing something, I promise you, there will be people out there that criticize you. You want to know how to become a criticized person? Do something, do anything. People will criticize you. You know what else? They'll criticize you for doing nothing. So you might as well be doing something, right? Okay? There will always, always, always be critics. And people, even when people are serving God, doing their very best and caring for people, there will always be those critics. Most churches have them. These groups that prefer to gather in holy huddles around the church instead of being part of the body, which is the church. They just kind of hover around the body, but they don't ever actually become part of the body. And they, they, they often sound super spiritual, look super spiritual, frequently have lots of rules, but no relationship. Or the flip side, they kind of hover around the body, never actually become the body, and they have lots of fun, but no Jesus. It's just all cotton candy Christianity. It's no accident that Jesus told us over and over and over again, love one another. In fact, they say the Apostle John, whenever he became an older man, he would just sit outside the church and tell them, beloved, let us love one another. Why? Because God knows that in our sinful flesh, our desire is to tear other people down from the tree. In our sinful flesh, rather than caring about the man in the tree, we often conspire in criticism to hang the Savior on the tree. But Jesus, when he models ministry for us, he cares about the man that nobody else cared about who was up in the tree hiding because Jesus knew that within his heart there was a lonely man who was searching. Ministry will always have its critics. Now, please listen to me on this, okay? Hear this well. Don't let the critics stop you from doing what is right. Don't let the critics stop you from being engaged in ministry. You keep doing what you're doing for the kingdom of God. You glance at the problem and gaze at your God. There will always be people that prefer to sit in the bleachers rather than be in the game. Be in the game. Invest your life. Put yourself out there in some way where it requires risk and where you have to invest simple faith in an extraordinary God and let God do something that only He can do. Don't let the critics cause you to go sit on the bench. Keep at it. And just a little side note for moms today. There is so much mom guilt out there in the world today. Don't let the critics stop you from loving your kids and raising them in the way of the Lord. Don't let these other people that may have a different style of motherhood make you feel guilty for being the person that God created you to be because of all the people on planet Earth, God chose you to be the mom to that child. So you love that child, you teach it to love God, you teach that child to love one another's, and you teach that child to love others, and you be the mom that God has created you to be because that's what that child needs. Amen? Don't wear that mom guilt. Don't wear it. Instead, wear Christ and serve Him faithfully. I better keep going or else I'm going to preach till 2. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'm in verse 8, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord, and if I have extorted money, anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Here's the fourth lesson on ministry. Ministry leads people to Christ who leads people to change. No one, no one is beyond the reach of grace, but God loves you too much to let you just stay the same. We have this idea in our culture today that loving someone is ultimately just saying, okay, you just do what you want to do and be who you want to be and I'm not going to try to challenge you in any way. No one is beyond the reach of grace, but God's grace, whenever it grabs a hold of your heart, it always stretches you and challenges you and it it moves you towards holiness. And that's what, that's what happened here. Jesus comes and he, he reaches Zacchaeus where he is, but he doesn't just say, okay, Zacchaeus, you just keep doing what you're doing. Instead, uh, the, the, the light of Jesus shines in Zacchaeus' life, and Zacchaeus begins to realize, you know what, I need to change. My life isn't where it should be. And so Zacchaeus says, if I've done anything to people, I, I, I want to repent from that sin, and I want to I I do the right thing. You see, when Zacchaeus truly met Jesus, he repented of his sin, and he placed his simple faith in Jesus Christ. And I believe this is Zacchaeus' moment of salvation. You say, well, Ash, why do you think that? Well, in the next verse it says, today salvation has come to this house. That's what Jesus told him. Zacchaeus, you've come down from the tree. You've come to me. This is what you've been searching for. You've repented of your sin. And I want you to know something, Zacchaeus. Today, salvation has come to your house because he too is a son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. And here's the fifth lesson about ministry. Ministry meets the deepest needs of humankind. Zacchaeus He didn't need another gold-plated chariot. He didn't need an all-expenses tour of the Holy Land. What Zacchaeus needed was a Savior. He was spiritually lost. And because of his lostness, he was lonely and he was empty even though he seemingly had everything. And he needed God to find him. He needed grace to reach out to him and draw him near. And when it did everything changed here's what I know in each of our lives there are Zacchaeuses all around us people that inside are empty sometimes it may be the waiter at the restaurant it may be that neighbor that plays his music too loud and too late it may be that dad that's embarrassing everybody because he's yelling at the referee at the football game. It, it may be that teen that seems to be wanting to isolate themselves from everyone. The hoodie is up and the earbuds are in and it's like, don't get close to me. But they need somebody like you to care. You know, I, I realize it seems like the wall is up, but in reality, behind that wall, there's often an isolated heart that just needs somebody Somebody to care. Somebody to have a conversation. Someone to talk to them about their real spiritual needs. And it may be a prayer. It may be a word of encouragement. Maybe it's an act of kindness. Maybe it's a shared meal. A willingness to volunteer and to be a part. And as you spend time with them, Here's what I know about the Zacchaeuses of the world. When we spend time with them, the Holy Spirit gives us opportunities to share the gospel and to genuinely love people. How long has it been since you genuinely loved somebody beyond your immediate circle? How long has it been since you genuinely shared the gospel with somebody? Or you were there at that moment when they came alive in Christ? I think that you'll find that all of us in here, no matter how you are wired, no matter what your backstory is, you can glorify God by meeting someone at their point of need. And when we're willing to do that, when we're willing to say, you know what, ministry is not just something that they do, ministry is something that I do. And I want to serve God and I want to meet people at their point of need no no matter what that might look like. When we're willing to take those steps, God takes our simple faith and does extraordinary things. Lives are changed. You have the blessing of being there when people come alive in Christ and eternity is touched as God is glorified. Would you join me in ministry? Join me in using your life in ministry to glorify God by Meeting people at their point of need. let's bow our heads together, please, as the band comes. I can't help but think that there may also be in the crowd today a Zacchaeus. you came here. On the outside, everything looks like it's all together, and maybe even at times you try to keep people guessing, you try to keep people away. But inside today, you're very, very lonely. And inside today, you need somebody to love you and to care about you. And you need the grace of God to wrap itself around your heart and to draw you in. And I want you to know today that God loves you, that you are not beyond His reach, and that He deeply, deeply desires you to be His child and to come alive in Christ and to discover and live out His unique, specific, divine mission for you. And I want to invite you today, if you've never had that step of faith, that moment of salvation, to make today your moment. Call out to God right now and just say, God, I'm a sinner. Help me to lay down my selfishness. Help me to place my faith in Christ. Trust in Christ today. Push through the questions, push through the doubt, and just place your simple faith in Him today. Ask Him to save you. Thank God for the life that He has given you. Ask God to allow you to use your life to minister to make a difference. If today's your day of salvation, I'm going to be here at the front and I I would like to ask you to come and see me during this next song or after the service. Come and see me because I want to encourage you and be a pastor to you. In this room, there's also a lot of people you've been walking with the Lord for some time but there are Zacchaeuses in your life that God is calling you to reach out to. And as I've talked today, God has stirred your heart. And I want you to know that when God stirs your heart, it's for a reason. So maybe today you just need to surrender to God in simple faith and say, God, use me. God, help me to see the Zacchaeus and to not walk by him. Help me, Lord, to have the conversation. Help me to take the step of faith, to volunteer, to be a part, to reach out, to use my life. God, give us as a church the joy of seeing people come alive in Christ. May we have a spirit of grace. Drain us of our criticism and negativity and fill us with encouragement. Fill us with unity. Fill us with a sense of oneness and a sense of anticipation as to what you desire to do. Father, I thank you so much that we come from different backgrounds, have different stories and different gifts, but we have one Savior. And it is to you that we give all the glory and praise. It's you that we worship. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.